Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, it's good to have you here today. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. If you're streaming with us, our online campus, it's always good to have you as well. And if this is your first time here or your first time watching, uh, we appreciate you being with us. I think you picked a good weekend, a good Sunday to join us because today we're kicking off a new series called Getting Back to Thanks. I mean, we're in uh, the Thanksgiving season. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. And really, it's a time when we should reflect on the, on the blessings and what we're thankful for in life. But let's be honest, a lot of times we forget to count our blessings, right? A lot of times we're not thankful as much as we should be, we, we kind of forget to reflect on everything that's good in our lives. And I think a lot of times it's because we're looking around, we're seeing what other people are doing, what other people have, and, and it keeps us from being thankful. So what I want to do over the next couple of weeks is I want to look at what are the things in our life that keep us from being thankful, right? That keep us from getting back to thanks. And today I'm going to cover the hardest ones, so the rest of the series will be really easy on us. But I think one of the greatest things in our culture today that keeps us from being thankful is comparison. When we're constantly looking around and we're comparing. If you want to follow along with our notes today, they're available on the Church Center app. You can download that on your smartphone, or you can simply scan that QR code in your seat back. Or our online campus, they'll send you a link to access those notes. One of those wonderful hosts will do that for you. But here's what the Scripture says in Galatians 1.10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You know, unfortunately, our tendency in life is to look around at others to gain the approval of others. We look around at others to determine if we're doing okay in life, if we're successful in life. We compare to gain significance. And when we start to compare, we don't think we have enough significance. We don't think we're achieving enough or we don't think we're smart enough, or we don't uh, get are satisfied enough, we don't have enough, and it keeps us from getting to thanks. And I think our tendency to compare starts at a very young age, right? I, I think we start comparing in, in grade school, we, we compare in middle school, in high school. And so when I was working on this a couple of weeks ago, I started thinking about, okay, how, how did we compare when I went to school? And a lot of times it was what you drove, you know, it was what you drove to high school. I was thankful to have a car and to be able to drive myself to school. That was like, you know, you've arrived when you get to drive to school. But if you drove a car to school that was three years old or newer, you were incredibly blessed. And even though I had a nice set of wheels, I would always look at the kids who were driving, and this will show my age, but the, the new Z28s, right? Or the new Trans Ams or the, or the Corvettes or the pickup trucks, even in grade school, we compare, right? You have a Christmas and, and you get things for Christmas. And what do you do? You call your friends and, and you're like, what did you get for Christmas? And you're constantly comparing. Oh, I had a better Christmas than they had. Or I didn't get quite as much for Christmas as they got at Christmas time. Or we compare where we live 
We compare our houses. We compare our educations. We compare our incomes. And for a lot of us, it takes way too long in our life to figure out that it doesn't matter what's going on around us. We have to look at the blessings we have in our life. And here's why comparison is so dangerous when we do this. And and it's learning number one, the more I compare, the more aware I become of what others have. Comparison raises our awareness, right? When we compare, we become aware of everything going on in everybody else's life. And listen, we live in a time period right now when it's easier than ever before to compare our lives to other people's lives, right? We can compare kids. We can compare jobs. We can compare families. We can compare homes and cars and all of these things. Just log on to Facebook and you'll see how easy it is to compare or or Snapchat or Instagram. You'll quickly know what everybody else is doing and you'll quickly know what everybody's up to and what everybody has. Here's the sad thing. There's never been a time in culture when people have had so much yet still want more. Because we compare, because we become aware of what's around us, it just fuels our desire to have more and to achieve more and to do more. As a matter of fact, sociologists are starting to study the impacts of social media, and they say it's one of the biggest causes of discontentment in our life. When we look on social media, it's one of the biggest causes of discontentment really in the entire world. Why? Because again, you look at somebody else's life and you want what they have, or you look at their life and it looks perfect, right? You know how it is. But the truth is when we're doing that and we're comparing our life to somebody else's on social media, more than likely we're looking at their filtered life through our unfiltered life. Right? Because you can filter stuff on social media any way you want it to look. But because we compare their filtered life to our our unfiltered life, it just fuels our desire to more, uh, for more. So think about how this works. You're, let's say one night you're aimlessly scrolling through Facebook, right? Looking at pictures of people you don't even know who they are. We've all done that. But you run across a friend of yours and their husband has fixed them dinner and they took a picture of the meal. Right? And they describe the meal in full detail to you. And you're reading this post, right? It's organic, grass fed filet mignon, <laughs> right? With bacon wrapped around the edge and it's topped with asparagus and hollandaise sauce. And then there's a side of organic red roasted potatoes cooked in olive oil with sea salt. And then you see the glass of wine, you know, the red wine sitting there by the plate. And you see the, the bottle, the bottle strategically placed behind the glass. And you know it's an expensive bottle of French red wine because you see it when you go shopping and you pass it every time. You bend down to get your bottle of wine, right? (laughs) Right? Because it's too expensive for you. And you see that and you're like, man, what a meal. Meanwhile, your sweet, loving, adorable husband's in the kitchen making your meal for you. And he's reheating a three-day-old piece of Sal's pizza. and And he's pulling a natural light out of the refrigerator. And that's your dinner, right? And you think, man, I'd like to have that meal. Or you see your coworker post pictures on the Appalachian Trail where they've hiked Dragon's Tooth or they're, they're at McAfee's Knob and they've taken a picture and you're at home watching reruns of The Bachelorette and eating Doritos, right? And you're thinking, man, I'd like to be on that hike. 
I'd like to be out there with those people. Or a friend of yours, a guy you hang out with, he posts on Facebook, happy anniversary to my loving wife. I look forward to the next 10 years together. And you're thinking, man, I I wish I had a marriage like that. Or then there's all the, the pictures of, I got a new car, we got engaged, we're having a baby, we, we're moving into our new house, we're at the beach, we're at the amusement park. And we instantly think, man, I'd like to be doing that. We start feeling bad because we're comparing our unfiltered life to their filtered life. But whether their life is filtered or not, comparison leads us nowhere. And the truth is, when we compare It drives us to want and desire what other people have instead of seeing the blessings that we already have in our life. And listen, just be warned, technology has turned us into a culture of complete comparison. So why do we do it? You think it'd be easy just to stop comparing? Why do we do it? Here's why we do it. Learning number two, we compare to gauge how well we're doing in life. We set this fictitious standard based on looking at what everybody else has and what everybody else is doing, and that's the standard that we have to get to. So we compare to see how well we're doing in life. And it shouldn't be like this, but if we're honest with ourselves, we all do this to some extent. We look around at others to determine if we're doing okay in life, and we do it to feel better about ourselves. Right, that we're on track, that we're successful, that we're achieving, that we're accomplishing, or whatever. And then, once we have kids, what do we do? We start comparing our kids. Right, we compare our kids to our friends' kids, or we compare our kids to our neighbors' kids. And we start to see our neighbors' kids are reading up a grade level, or they're playing travel sports, right? Or they made first trumpet in in the band. And so, what do we do? We start pushing our kids harder and harder to keep up with those other kids. And it's not even about our kids. It's about us as parents. We think that people are going to look at us and judge us as parents based on how well our kids perform. And we want to make sure that we're doing okay. So we get our kids to try to compete on the same level as those other kids. Here's another problem. When we compare, we either feel really good or we feel really bad. Again, there's, there's no good that comes out of comparison. If we're doing better than somebody else or we've been promoted more times at work or we're uh, more successful than somebody around us, then we start to feel prideful. We, we start to feel superior to other people. Or if we have set that standard and we realize we're not doing as well as everybody else, then we start to feel bad, right? We start to get maybe fearful or anxious or even depressed, but uh, the real problem is us. It's not that other people have more or do more or achieve more or more successful or got promoted more times. The real problem's with us. We don't like to to look in that mirror and, and realize that we may not hit that standard that we've come up with. We may not be as successful as the other people at work, and our kids may not be as athletic as our neighbor's kids. We may not have as much money as our parents or this other family that we're looking at because we've set this standard based on comparison. And when we don't measure up to it, we don't like to admit that. We want to know, hey, I'm doing okay in life. So in a nutshell, here's the problem with comparison. Learning number three, if we're constantly comparing, we will never have peace. 
We will never have peace in our life. And what we're going to discover today is this problem is nothing new. It's not like it just happened in the past 20 years. This has been going on for thousands of years. You remember talking about King Solomon last week, and, and I told you how he wrote the book of Proverbs, and he, he also wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. And a lot of people think Solomon was one of the wisest people to ever walk the earth, but he, he talks about this very issue. And listen, if you're a skeptic of God, skeptic of religion, you don't know where you stand on that faith journey, read the book of Ecclesiastes, because it it's before Jesus' time. All right, there's no prophecy in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's just practical things. And, and you'll read this book, even if you have no desire to follow God at all, you'll read this book and you'll be like, wow, I, I've seen this in my life. I, I've seen this play out. Th this is completely accurate. But listen to what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 4.4. He says, then I observed that most people are motivated to success. Why? Because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless like chasing the wind. He's saying, look, I've looked around, I've seen people, I've observed people, and I've noticed that all of their work and all of their effort is driven because of what's going on in the people's lives around them. That could have been written last week, but it wasn't. It was written almost 3,000 years ago, so this isn't a new problem to compare and then to strive for what others have. So Solomon, he looked around and he said that everyone was uh, determining how they were doing based on what everyone else had and where everyone else was in life. And he says, that's like chasing the wind. Comparison, in other words, is like chasing the wind. We can't catch the wind and it's meaningless. But if that's our pursuit to compare and then try to achieve what other people have done, there's not going to ever be a finish line. And you will never have peace in your life. Listen to what else he said. The next couple of verses. Chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. And yet, better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Now, what's he saying here? The implication is it's better to always live life with one hand open and to only hold on to what you can hold on to with the other hand than having two hands holding on to everything you can get and everything you want and everything you want to achieve. In other words, what he's saying is we got to learn to be content. And the pathway to contentment is to stop looking around and to stop comparing, Right? Because comparison does what? It makes us aware of what's going on around us. If, if we grab everything we can get with both hands, there's always going to be something else we want to grab and get, right? And we don't have one hand open for whatever God wants to do or whatever God wants to give us or however God wants to bless us in our lives. And then Solomon gives us another great word picture. The, the next two verses, verses 7 and 8 of Ecclesiastes 4, he says this, I observe yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It's all so meaningless and depressing. 
In other words, I'm working so hard for what? Right? Who's benefiting? I've got no one to leave all my hard work to. And listen, if that's you, if you're watching or if you're here and, and you're working so hard, you know, you're striving every day, you're accumulating, you have no one to give it to or leave it to, and it's just an endless cycle, I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to push you out of your comfort zone. If that's you in that verse, adopt me. All right, that's the answer. Now you've got somebody to leave it to, somebody will enjoy it for you. Okay, sorry. But this guy Solomon's referring to, he's asking himself, why in the world am I doing this? Why am I living like this? Why am I constantly looking around, comparing, setting the standard, and then working so hard to achieve it, but I'm depriving myself of any enjoyment? Why can't I just stop and enjoy what I have? Why can't I just enjoy the blessings that are already in my life? I've worked so hard, yet I'm not happy because I'm not enjoying it. And he's asking himself, what is it that's driving me? And Solomon's saying it's comparison. You see what your neighbors have, and that's driving you to some form of success. Because you're always comparing yourself to them. As long as we live life with both hands closed, grabbing everything we can, comparing, and this is what I got to have now because I've been looking at what my neighbors have or what my coworkers are doing. As long as we do that, it doesn't matter how smart we are. It doesn't matter how athletic we are. It doesn't matter how talented our kids are. It doesn't matter how much money we make or where we live or what we achieve. It's meaningless, and it's never going to bring us peace in our life, and we're never going to have any joy in our life, and we're never going to be thankful for the things that we already have, because we can't have peace by constantly comparing and then desiring and striving for what everybody else has. So I think a big question, an uncomfortable question, but a big question we need to ask is, who are we looking to or what are we looking to to determine that we're doing okay in life, that we're okay in life. And, and why are we thinking that looking at other people and what they have and what they've achieved and what their kids are doing, if we can get to that level, why do we think that's going to bring us more peace? So this is just about internal reflection, just, you know, all of us being honest with ourselves. You know, am I the one that's comparing? Am I stuck in this endless cycle of comparison to get significance, to gain significance, to see where I'm at in life. And so what I want to do is I want to look at just a couple of little indicators that were trapped by comparison. And again, this isn't to make uh, me feel bad or you feel bad. This is just so we can become aware of it and we can change the course so that we can find peace and get back to thanks in our life. And I think a great indication that we're stuck in comparison is that we're always trying to keep up with other people. They used to call it keeping up with the Joneses. I guess they still do that. But we're constantly trying to keep up with where other people are at. And we know where other people are at. Why? Because we're always comparing. And here's how it works. Let's say you live in an apartment and you've been in that apartment for three years. And you're happy with your apartment. You're content in your apartment. But your friend invites you over to dinner and they've just moved into a new, brand new apartment complex, right? And you pull into the parking lot and you notice, wow, they got a pool, 
right? And you drive by the clubhouse and it's like, wow, they got a, they got a workout facility in there and a coffee bar in a business center with, with free internet. And you walk into your friend's apartment and everything's brand new. Every bedroom has its own bathroom. It has its own toilet, its own shower, and own sink. And you look at the cabinets, and they're upgraded cabinets, and the countertops are granite. All of a sudden, you're ready to move, right? Your poor little apartment didn't do anything. Your little apartment didn't say anything to offend you. You're just ready to move because you compared and you became aware of what your friend has that you don't have, and now you're no longer satisfied with what you have in your life. Listen, this is all of us. We do this. Another indicator that we're kind of trapped by comparison is we say, I want this, or I need this, or I want that, way more than we give thanks for what we already have, right? I'm thankful I have this. I'm, I'm blessed that I've got that. We don't say that as much as all the things that we're striving for. And this one's kind of hard to admit, but another indicator we're, we're stuck deep in comparison is we secretly enjoy when those people we compare ourselves to fail, right? The person that's skinnier than we are or prettier than we are or more athletic than we are or richer than we are or more successful than we are. When they fail, it, you know, we kind of enjoy that. We don't like to admit it. But we do. So what do we do about it? Knowing that we're never going to have peace, we're never going to get back to thanks as long as we're comparing. How do we get out of comparing or the comparison mode? And remember, we compare because we want to know how well we're doing in life. No matter what gauge we've set because of comparison, we're trying to live up to that to make sure, oh, I'm, I'm doing good in life. So here's learning number four. Here's we get out, how we get out of it. We need to remember who we belong to. We need to remember who we belong to. The Apostle Paul said this in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. Now, when people were under the law, they couldn't live up to the law. And the law would just pretty much in lights shine all of their sin and all of their shortcomings. And they constantly failed when they were measured against the law. And that's why it says they were slaves to the law. But what happened? God sent Christ, right? Christ redeemed us. He saved us. God sent Christ for us. And then he said what? He adopts us as his very own children. Once he adopts us, we're no longer slaves to the law. Now that word adoption is critical. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back, those of you that were here, those of you that were watching this summer, to, to a talk that Matt did. And Matt did an incredible job of talking about adoption in, in, the, in the Roman days compared to adoption today and the difference. And just for the Cliff Notes version, you know, we adopt kids. We adopt sometimes teenagers. We'll adopt babies. We'll adopt infants. We foster kids. But we don't adopt adults, really. In, in our culture today. 
Back then, that's all they did was adopt adults. They would wait to see how you turned out before they adopted you, right? Yeah, none of us would have gotten adopted. I get that. But that's how they did it. And it was a prestigious thing for you to be adopted. And they did that if they didn't have an heir to pass on, like that guy in Ecclesiastes, everything they had worked so hard for. I think it was even Julius Caesar. Don't fact check me on this. But I think it was Julius Caesar that didn't have any kids. And and he adopted someone to take the throne for him. So it wasn't uncommon that you get a letter. It wouldn't have been in the mail. But you just got a letter that said, hey, congratulations, you've been adopted. And you now have all the privileges and rights of this family. It was a big deal. So when Paul uses this this word to his audience, adopted, here's what they heard. They heard, Paul's audience heard, wait a minute, God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who knows my sin, who knows my baggage, who knows my past, who knows my shortcomings, adopts me as one of his children, and gives me all the rights and privileges of God, that would have blown their mind. It would have blown Paul's audience mind because adoption was such a big deal. And that would have been the highest, and it still is, the highest value and the highest worth anybody can ever receive, being a child of God. That means we have all the rights and privileges through Christ of God Almighty. There's no greater achievement that we could ever achieve, no matter how much we compare and think this is the level of success. When I get to what my coworkers done, when I make this much money, when I live in this neighborhood, when I drive this car, that, that is not success. The highest achievement that we can ever gain, the highest accomplishment we can ever get is to be one of God's children, to be adopted into God's family. I don't care who you're comparing yourself to. There's no greater status than that. And through Christ, we've already achieved that highest standard. We've been adopted by the best possible parent in the world. So why do we look around at others? Why do I look around And I'm not exempt from this. Pastors aren't exempt from this. I look at other churches all the time like, how in the world did they do that? How did did they get that many volunteers to show up? How did they pull off that event? How did they get that nice building? But why do we look around at others to determine how we're doing? Why do we look around at others to determine our achievement instead of listening to what our Heavenly Father says. And our Heavenly Father would say, you're doing fine because you belong to me. You're okay. You're doing okay in life because you are my child. But we don't like to listen to God's assessment of us. We don't like to you know, reflect on the fact we've already achieved the highest thing we can possibly achieve when we have a relationship with Christ. We still want to measure ourselves through comparison to others and what others have. And the, probably the easiest way to think about this is how would you handle this with your kids? Think about it. If your kids come home one day and they're feeling unworthy, they're feeling insecure because they've been comparing themselves to some TikTok star or you know, YouTube influencer or, or, the, or the people they go to school with, 
the people they play sports with or do drama with, they've been comparing themselves and they feel undervalued, they feel insecure, they feel unworthy because they're not at the standard that they've set in their minds that those other people are at. What would you say to your kids? Yeah, you're right. You're not as smart as Tiffany is, right? Yeah, you should be able to hit the ball farther than Tommy hits it. No, you'd never say that. You know what you'd say to your kid? Oh, if you could just see yourself the way that I see you as your parent. I'm proud of you. I love you. You're okay. We're, we're a happy family. You're doing great in life. That's how we'd handle it with our kid, yet we don't listen to God's assessment of how we're doing. Instead, we look to everybody else to determine how we're doing. And I'm telling you, comparison is the biggest thing that keeps us from getting back to thanks. Because when we compare, we never have peace. But if we'll look to God and listen to his assessment of us, if we stop comparing, then we'll have peace. We'll have gratitude. We'll have thanksgiving in our lives. Whether we win or lose, when we listen to God's assessment of us, we're going to have peace whether we make the team or we don't make the team. When we listen to God's assessment of us, we're going to have peace, whether we get promoted or we don't get promoted, whether we live in this house or we live in that house. When we look to God and listen to his assessment of us, we're going to be able to celebrate when our friends get promoted and our friends get a new car and our friends moved into a a nicer house. Because we're going to be counting the blessings that we already have. And we're not going to compare ourselves to anyone else. God doesn't compare us to anyone else and say, well, I'm going to determine if I'm going to adopt you based on how you're doing compared to how these other people are doing. No. God says when we have Christ, he adopts us into his own family. And he gives us all his rights and privileges. He says we're doing okay. Because we belong to him. Peace and a thankful heart are found not through comparison, but they're found in remembering we belong to a God who created us, who loves us, and who adopted us into his very own family. Let's pray together. God, help us to be thankful this season. And not just this season, God, but for the rest of our lives. Lord, forgive us when we do forget the many blessings that you've bestowed upon us, that you've given us. Lord, help us to get out of this constant cycle of comparing, especially in an age when it's easier than ever to compare. Lord, help us to remember you don't compare us to anybody, and we don't need to compare to others to determine how well we're doing in life. When we have you, we're on track. When we have you, Jesus, we're doing okay. And we've already achieved the highest accomplishment we could ever achieve this side of eternity. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for the churches in our community, the churches all throughout the world. Lord, help us to be bold in telling others about you and how you truly do change lives and how you do meet us wherever we're at in life, no matter what we got going on, no matter what we've done, what we're doing. 
that you love us unconditionally and you simply want us to be a part of your family. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, real quick. Before we finish up, just a couple of things. If you are doing one of those Samaritan Purse uh, Christmas shoe boxes, those are due next Sunday. So if you didn't bring that this Sunday uh, or it's still sitting on the counter, you need to go shopping this week and bring that thing in next Sunday. I'm telling you, those boxes are an incredible blessing to kids all throughout the world. So those are due next Sunday. And if you uh, have been collecting canned food or box food for the Christmas store here in Montgomery County, that growth group has been collecting those for several weeks. They are due by Friday. Okay. So you can drop those off at the church anytime. If the front door's not open, leave them out there on the sidewalk. We will check that frequently throughout the day and throughout the week. And then this Thursday, seven to eight, we're having worship night here at the church, and we are simply going to come together and we're going to worship. We're going to sing a bunch of different songs. It'll be for an hour, so I want to invite you out to that Thursday night from 7 to 8. I, I told Justin that people don't come to the church because of the music. It's because of the message. But if he wants to do a worship night, then that's fine. No, I'm kidding. We love to worship. we got an incredible band that's going to lead us in worship. So if you're not busy that night, please come out. Uh, and, and, and we worship and we'll thank God for all the blessings he's given us in our lives. Have a great, great Sunday, a terrific week. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here.